It's another podcast. <laughs> Guys, we're back. We did it. I I know it was. <laughs> it's been cold and a dark time out there, but now you're here by the warm fire of my voice, and the, everything is better, right? The Arenda Records podcast. She's back. Uh, today, because because we love you so much here at Arenda. We we got double interviews for you, right? You're, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Matt, don't tease me. I can't handle more disappointment disappointment in my life. Well, good news. I'm not lying. Double interview today. We got Mr. Sam and I here for a nice long chat at the beginning. He and I uh, talk about his record, Hey Yo. Um, wonderful, wonderful release with um, some wonderful musicians and a fine drummer too um and then and then sam hops back on the couch with the uh director in chief mr dan rosenboom uh to talk about their new dr mint record voices in the void i don't know why i said that with a question mark i knew what the name was i've said it like multiple times today it's voices in the void period that's how that's how that was supposed to be said so um, I know you're thrilled on, we're, that we're back. You're 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 cozying up next to the warm fire of my voice. This is I get it. Everybody's it's a, everybody's happy now. Uh, you ready for some news? I'm ready for some news. Here we go. Upcoming dates: February 5th, Christine Tavalacci at Automata. February 17th, the new Jonathan Rowden Group release. A uh, little bit of Skyward Eye for you. Coming at you hot. Uh, February 19th, Brian Walsh, Alexander Noyce, and Trevor Andres at the Bootleg Theater. Uh, that will be at least three fire emojis. Uh, March 10th, we've got some Burning Ghosts and Evil Genius at Red Cat. And uh, those are the shows that we're talking about this uh, for this podcast. Also, you can see me every Monday at the Falls in downtown. Uh, Monday night, come hang out with me. I get very lonely. Uh, but... New albums we have coming up on the horizon. Uh, Vicky Ray and Scott Ray, we have Yar. Uh, we got a Snow Nerds record. Uh, Evan Francis from New York City. Richard Giddens with the record Mimosas, which I, I love I love everything about that. Richard, you're, you're a hero and a saint. Uh, and there will be a new Burning Ghosts coming out this year. Um, that's the news for now. Let's jump into my talk with Sam. Um, I feel like I learned a lot and I felt a lot of feelings. And I know I say that often, but I really did. So many emotions came to the forefront in this conversation. Let's get in it. Let's get in it. Sam, welcome. You're here. First guest of the podcast in the new year. Well, it's great to be here. That's it. It is, isn't it? Um, so uh, uh, you're in town. You yep. don't. You're not living here anymore. You, but you nope. did, right? You, yep. you, you're. Are you from here? What's... I'm from Reno, Nevada. 
Reno, Nevada. Moved here in 2006 to go to CalArts uh, between 2006 and 2008. And then okay. I lived here until the middle of 2009 and then shipped off. To the... Uh, to the old cold yeah. uh, north nor'easter, yeah. yeah, the jazz navy yards. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, um, so let's see. So you're part of the uh, the the Arenda family here. You're on a bunch of these records, right? You got yeah. you got some Arenda ties. Why don't you tell me about that? Tell me about yeah. your your ties. Well, I play I play bass with Doctor Mint. I've had a long relationship with Dan Rosenboom. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a good relationship. <laughs> edit that out. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you qualified that. You know, take me a second to get going. It's not a, you know, a platonic relationship. <laughs> mostly platonic. Mostly, really. mostly, we've been known to cuddle on tour. Um, so yeah, do- I've known so Doctor Mint with 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 uh, with Rosenbaum. Yep. Um, and I released my own record. Uh, just kind of self released it to to sell independently in 2012. Eleven. It was. It's I, definitely one of them. My record was two thousand thirteen. <laughs> Man, the Let's librarian coming in with the stats. I think this is all Wait perfectly minute, really? usable. Anyways, released my record. Uh, the Hale record was released in two thousand thirteen, right before the inception <laughs> of Orenda. Or else that would have been a perfect uh, marriage perfect between, fit, right? yeah, perfect fit. And then so you know, Dan and I, when 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 uh, the owner of Orenda, Dan Rosenboom, decided to start Orenda, we had talked right then about. It. I was like, oh, perfect. Mm. Well, I'll just give you the record, and we can team up, and it's it's a perfect fit for right. both of us. Then we just kind of never did it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then um, classic jazz musician, yep, totally no. <laughs> classic, um, classic. Practicing scales is too important right. to... No, I've been there. You know, I, uh, yeah. I practiced scales this morning. That's a fact. Yeah, I should practice <laughs> some scales. Um, Can so, we take a pause from the uh, podcast? I'm going to go practice some scales. No, we'll be back fine. in five. That's fine. Okay, so that was great. Practice some scales for about five <laughs> minutes. I feel much better now. Um, so, so, so Reno then here, yep. uh, so what, uh, what was, is, it was bass your first instrument? What's, uh, um, I started playing piano, uh, I can't remember how old I was, probably six or something like that. And I played piano through high school and I started bass in like middle school nice. and sort of realized I was a really bad piano player <laughs> and, um, bass was, um, not easier, but you know, for you, it was easy. The passion it, was there. yeah. It was a better fit. There you go. I like carrying large things. <laughs> now, uh, do you have? Do you come from a musical family? There, are, there no. music in the family. You're just no. just the outlier. I love that. Yeah, my parents. My parents are Iranian immigrants, and uh, when they moved here, you know, they kind of threw us into as much stuff as they right. could. Right. A lot of sports, a lot of music, just sort of like, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities we had sure, in this country sure, sure. that maybe. You know they couldn't have while they were there, so um, you know they were they were great on just trying to throw a bunch of stuff at us and see what what happens. You know that's great. That's... So and piano was that. Well, wow, that's wonderful, man. Yep. Um, so let's see. So uh, uh, you went to uh, Cal Arts. Is that is that where you did all your you, your undergrad, or was that for a master's, or what was that? No, I did my undergrad at University of Nevada Reno. Oh, okay. And. Uh, and then I did my master's at CalArts. Oh, okay. I see. Um, I feel like you're the second Reno, uh, University of Reno uh, uh, alumnus. The, yeah, there's, some, there's actually there. quite a bit of Renotions on the label, I yeah. think. I, I mean, like a ton of us moved. There's, there's a Renotions? connection. Is that we what say it, Renotions. It, it, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I like that. 
Um, there's actually there's actually a pretty deep connection between University of Nevada, Reno, UNR, and CalArts because um, in around 1999 or 2000, um, they brought in a pianist named David Ake okay. uh, to sort of... Um, he wasn't the head of the jazz department. We had this great, great uh, head of the jazz department who has retired since, um, moved on to more administrative roles, named Larry Angstrom, okay. and he basically has built that jazz department from the ground, you know, the ground up. And he started bringing in. Uh, he started by bringing in David Ake, and then the Cal Arts influence. David Ake went to Cal Arts in the mm. uh, mid '80s. Was one of the first first people in the jazz class. The jazz program, I think, started in. 85 or 86 oh, okay. or something like that wow. and so he came to cal arts to study with the great charlie hayden right and, as you do yep and uh david david came to unr and then he started bringing more cal arts influenced people in uh the alto saxophone player on my record peter epstein came mm. in after that and now ralph alessi the trumpet player who also is a cal arts it's mm-hmm. teaching at unr adam benjamin who yep. Yep. It's a great, you know, pianist and keyboardist who's a Kalarsh and he's teaching yeah. at UNR. But in any case, there's always been a lot of back and forth. Like, Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, people get their undergrad there and then ship off to CalArts. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, well, that's actually a good segue. So, um, as you said, you moved to uh, New York in 09, I think you said. Yeah. Um, and then you recorded this album after uh, after that, this this uh, Heyo, right? Yeah. That's I'm saying that right. Heyo. 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 Where's the... Where's the punctuation is really my question um no uh but so you recorded that uh after the move i guess i take it yeah. and so who's uh, uh who's on it you mentioned the uh the alto player there um the alto player is peter epstein mm-hmm. um the the core of the group was the trio which is uh, mitch marcus on tenor saxophone okay. who grew up in new york but lived in the bay area forever okay and then we actually crossed paths a lot of times in tahoe and um, but we didn't start playing until I moved to New York. And then the drummer's name is Mark Ferber, oh, who sure. is um, bi-coastal, and he's been jumping back and forth forever. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I think I met him in Los Angeles. Yeah, um, seems right. Yeah, and then when we moved to New York, we started that trio, and then for the record, we brought Peter out. Okay, so, beautiful. And now it's, a, now it's a quartet proper. It's okay. turned into pretty much a quartet all the time. That's great. Yeah. Love it. Marvelous. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the record because I was I was listening to it and there was a there was a lot of uh, there were some there were some cool themes that I thought I really I really enjoyed from the record. Um, one being that it's you do a really nice job compositionally uh, of blurring the lines as to what is written and what's improvised in terms of uh, um, a lot of these melodies and a lot of these figures. You know, I I assume that as a bass player, because a lot of these tunes are also built around like uh, 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 lines that are played between you and one of the horn players in unison or in harmony. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, and I, I love that. I'm a big fan of, mm-hmm. of that, of that concept. But um, it, it then kind of morphs its way into a, uh, a, 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 a um, improvising sections. At least that's what it sounds like to me um, that are kind of blurred lines of, as to what was written and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, so I wanted to talk about um, that song, Ground Song, mm-hmm. right? Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Ground Song? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the two-parter there. So um, I think we're going to hear some right now, and then I want you to tell me about the, uh, the, the, the writing process of this. You got it. Thank you. 
All right, ground song, both parts here. So, so it seems to me that the uh, it seems to me like in ground song that first part um, is 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 more. Uh, uh, um, I don't know what am I saying. Why don't you tell me about the song? Why don't I stop projecting? You know, <laughs> um, yeah, the first part. The first part is just sort of like a little baroque uh, exercise I mm. gave to myself, and um, just as a you know, basically just thinking of a way to facilitate the introduction to the actual piece, which is the second part. Right. And then uh, that second part always started with a duet with mm-hmm. me and whoever the tenor player was in the band. I actually wrote that when I was at CalArts. And uh, um, yeah, and then I just wanted to write something that facilitated the you know, the improvisation mm-hmm. section in between the intro and the actual tune, you know. Right. So that's basically it as far as the, where those parts come from. That's very cool. So now when you're writing conceptually for this um, this quartet or trio or what mm-hmm. you know whatever iteration it happens to be in mm-hmm. and you're writing uh, from 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 the bassoon there uh, <laughs> what uh, what are some do you usually think cuz I always this is a terrible introduction to this question uh when I'm writing, I think, you know, I'll have, I'll either think conceptually, like, okay, here's what my idea for this tune is, or uh, here's a melody that I find particularly compelling, or here's some chord changes, and then try to blow up that idea. What is it from, it, when you're writing something like that Baroque exercise or, or a, a vehicle for inf- improvisation like those changes, uh, what is it that you're, where's your head at? Are you asking about like what's your process? What's, what's your my process? Write, yeah, what's your writing process? You know, it's it's interesting. It goes and I mean, it's not really interesting to me. I don't think anyone else <laughs> is that interested in it. But <laughs> to me, it's to me it's interesting because it's sort of like taste of the day. Mm. So mm. if I'm spending a lot of time, I'm a mixing engineer, and if I'm spending a lot of time on my computer, I always have my MIDI keyboard set up, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I'll just throw up Pro Tools with a you know, with a really crappy piano MIDI patch and I'll just improvise a <laughs> sure. little bit and then send that off to Sibelius as an idea just to do something. Right. Sometimes I'll actually sit down at my piano and write. Okay. Sometimes I write um sometimes I write on my acoustic electric bass. Okay. Uh, or on my acoustic bass guitar I would say sometimes write on the bass. Like on the upright bass. And then I just write, you know, whatever whatever comes to me first. Sometimes chords come to me first, especially if I'm playing piano or my bass guitar. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's chords first. And Harmonic, then, yeah. Yeah, and then and then melodic. Um, yeah, but with that band, with that band is is generally just like whichever idea comes first because it's so it's so hard melodic. Mm-hmm. Since it's you know there's it's just basically melody and bass. Yeah. And then when there was a fourth member, some of the songs have harmonies, but right. Um, a lot of it is played unison. Well, so um, I'd like to I'd like to hear another tune now, uh, the Guardian. And uh, 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 what I really was enjoying about that tune and listening to it is again that uh, that the motif that you that you develop right at the very beginning that's then like expanded on with with uh, with all of the horns. So let's hear that.
So, um, so tell me a little something about that song. Tell me a, a fun fact, or <laughs> oh, I got a fun fact <laughs> about the Guardian. Um, well, the the name comes from uh, not from the news organization, <laughs> but the name actually comes from um, I've I've been you know it's been really cool. I've gone to Morocco a couple times mm. with our buddy Amino Belliamani, okay. um, who is from Casablanca, and we've hung out there and learned music and. Beautiful. And just chilled out there. But there's this thing that goes on there that was like an initiative uh, by the mayor of Casablanca um, as a way to just help, um, you know, basically support lower income people or homeless people. Mm. And um, basically at the at every corner, like at every block corner, there's a guy wearing a blue tunic. Okay. Right. And then they call him, I think loosely translated, they call him the guardian. Okay. And basically what he does is he watches your car for the night. And so what happens is when you are ready to park, you just drive by the guardian. The guardian knows where all the parking spots that are open are. Wow. You never drive around looking for a parking <laughs> spot. And he watches your car and it's just like for, for as congested as that city is, mm -hmm. th there's this really great system for you know, people that don't make any money to make some money wow. and to help out this really sort of normal day-to-day -day stressful thing like wow. what to do with your car when you need to. That's amazing. And they're called the Guardians. That's so, amazing. I, I want that in my life. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I yeah. need that. Um, that's beautiful, man. Um, the, other, the, the, the third thing that I wanted to ta uh, touch on here about this record was that I really loved your the way you play with the horns i think that the the parts where you're playing duets essentially with the horns are some of the more striking parts but mostly because i hate ferber like as a human being uh i can't wait for him to hear this the tall, first one like, the first one a talk smack was not me mark yeah, no remember that remember it's, that he's 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 the worst um <laughs> No, uh, just, he's so tall. I know, and makes no sense. Really. I just, yeah. yeah, it's like we get it. You're tall. You like basketball. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, but when you're playing a duet with one of those horns and those drums aren't getting in the way, it's really a treat. So the last, uh, uh, the last one I wanted to touch on, <laughs> it's really a treat. Was uh, was was Cyrus, the last tune on the record. Okay. Um, so I want to hear that now. So, um, I feel like I should walk back my Mark comments now. Uh, I still hate him, but why do you love him? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, why? Actually, <laughs> so, right. I wake up in more in the mornings and ask myself <laughs> why. Um, well, Mark and I have developed this kind of special relationship, which includes a lot mm. of crap talking, right. obviously. And our our relationship musically is actually kind of like that too, where I feel like I play different with him than anybody else I play with, and you know, um, both of us are super lucky to have. You know, I've got a lot of really close friend and great musical relationships with drummers, mm-hmm. and um, same with him and bass players. And we 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 have this crazy sort of back and forth simpatico thing that happens um, when we play that that I find pushes me a lot further um, than when I'm you know when I'm playing double bass it pushes me a right. lot further than sometimes like things that I imagine. You know, and like he he continues what I'm thinking already, and mm. that idea might suck, but it doesn't suck if I'm playing it with him. <laughs> right. And you know, and I feel like I do that with with him too, to a certain extent. You know, I go out and see him play all the time because right. he's he's just a fantastic drummer. Right. And he plays with such great musical projects, and I get stoked when I see him out because I'm like, oh, cool. When we play, it's like really different. Right. 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 You know? Right. Right. And that really supports all the like, especially in that sitting where it's you know it's the harmonic sort of system where you know it's really important that you know between the bass and whatever melodic fragment that's coming out that's setting up the harmonies right you know it's really important for whoever that third person is the drummer Mm -hmm. in this instant to like to bring some fire you know to bring some fire and then also to like you know kind of be able to navigate the compositional stuff right and understand like when when stuff is happening so well, I guess I'll give him that. Yeah. He can, he's, he's, he's fine at that. And he's got a sweet jumper. <laughs> I mean, it's not that good. It's kind of it's blocky, but whatever. No. <laughs> anyway, well, that's, uh, um, I think that's enough about, I think that's enough about uh, 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 this record. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, it's good to talk to you. It's good to, yeah. you know, get to shoot the breeze with you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, there was Sam Benai and I, Sam Benai and I, talking it up uh, about his record. Hey, yo! Um, you should really check it out. It's a great record. I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. And, um, you know, everybody, including Mark, sounds great on there. And you should really, you should really check it out. Uh, Sam and I, hey, yo! So now, because... You know, we missed you so much in our off month for the holidays. Um, We're doubling up on interviews today. Not one, not two, but two interviews with two people. Uh, So in this next uh, little segment we've got here, uh, we get Sam and Dan on the couch. We... Uh, we talk a little bit about um, their new record uh, together, the Doctor Mint, the newest Doctor Mint record. Um, it's uh, 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 amazing. I got to see them the other night uh, play some of the music from this, and it is intense. It it'll uh, it'll get you there, you know. Uh, anyway, so let's uh, let's jump back on the couch for part two of this exciting two-part interview, Sam, Dan, and I. 
welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, man. So, um, Sam is in town, so we decided to do another little chat here about the Dr. Mint stuff with Dan and Sam. Hey. You guys look so cute together right now. Well, you know. Adorable. We try. We we sang backups in a in an R and B band in uh, nineteen seventy two, so sharing a mic and feeling close to one another is is very comfortable. It's actually the the most amazing part is really the the dance steps. Haven't you haven't lost a step, you two? No. These are these. It's, it's great that your your voices aren't even tired. You know, it's amazing. Well, you know, I mean, like Doctor Mint stuff really lends itself to sort of yeah, dancing. it's a great segue actually. <laughs> yeah. If you want to come see some sweet dance moves, come and see a Dr. Mint show. Right. So, uh, new record, guys. It's exciting. Definitely. Um, so, uh, what's uh, what's the name of this thing? Well, the new one is called Voices in the Void. Um, and uh, what's really exciting for us about it is um, it's, it's our fifth record, but it also is coming out on the occasion of our 10th anniversary as a band. Oh, that's just... That's great. Exciting. What is the uh, traditional 10th anniversary gift foil. for a band? Foil? Foil. foil. Yeah. yeah, foil to put inside of your guitar so it doesn't gr- the ground uh, goes that's, away. That's, that's very thoughtful. Well, that would work yeah. for noise, I think. Yeah, I could mm-hmm. use some too. No one got me foil for our 10th anniversary, though. Well, Ooh. the date's still coming up. You guys suck. Trouble in paradise. <laughs> so um, so tell me a little bit about the concept of Dr. Mint. So I, I um, things I know about Dr. Mint off the top of my head. The name is, an, is a combination of letters, <laughs> that, which is not true for any other names. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, and you guys have a particularly interesting compositional uh, approach. Uh, so you can take those in whatever order you would like to. All right. So, well, when Dr. Mint began, um, actually... Uh, Sam was the one who kind of instigated because, uh, you know, after playing some of my music in college or in, our, in grad school together, he was like, man, you really got to play with my friend Caleb, uh, this drummer. He, he's like the perfect drummer for your kind of music. And um, then the summer after I graduated from CalArts, there, there was a time when Caleb was going to be in town. And Sam was like, we should just like pick a date and do a recording because it's going to be awesome. And um, and so we picked a date, we set it up, and I asked um, Gavin Templeton and Alex Noyce if they could do it, and they were down. And um, and so that combination of letters that you're talking about for the name <laughs> actually is literally Dollister, Rosenboom, Minai, Noyce, Templeton. Dr. There it Nitt. is. There it is. So We added an I. We added an I, and that could be a sixth member. Um, but we don't like anybody with the last name I. We haven't met anybody that we like. Ever. That's fair. But I, we leave it open. That's fair. So if anyone wants to come and play with us with the last name. They better have a last name yeah. that begins with an I. Yep. There we go. <laughs> um that's that's I I feel like there's a joke there somewhere, but I, I, well, I don't know what it is. You can you can think about that. I'll 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 punch back in. We can fix this in post. There'll yeah. be a great laugh line there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how so so um, about your compositional approach. So you guys you guys have a very um, I want to say spontaneous approach towards the the writing of these of of these tunes. Is that a byproduct of the fact that you just set a studio date and you're like, all right, let's hop in there and make something happen? Or was that the actual, you know, the game plan going into this? You know what, actually, I, I guess we should say that 
that band was basically Vinnie Golia's band at that time. Pretty Except much. without Caleb. Yeah. So we were playing, and I was trying to think of like, yeah, oh, wait, it was, it was kind of like through the Vinnie Golia thread, mm. and that's what we were doing with Vinnie's with Vinnie's rehearsals. We would play two hours free with with you and Gavin. Uh, this great drummer named Andrew Lesman was in that band, and of course Vinnie was in the band, and Noyce was in the band. Um, and we were just so comfortable at, at like just improvising because that's you know, a very large amount of what right. Vinny's music is, composed form, play something free for 90 minutes, composed form. <laughs> and I think we were just all in that sort of headspace and we were super comfortable and it just felt like what we would do anyways, you know? Right. Well, and you and Caleb totally had a history of, of um, doing a lot of that yeah. kind of stuff together too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we were in a band, we were in a band in Reno called the Electrosonics that was basically that. It was uh it was bass drums, saxophone with effects, and uh guitar with effects and keyboard part time with effects. And that's what we did. We did a lot of that, just sort of improvising forms and like harder music improvising, not necessarily like free like right. in the sense where like it was either noise rock or or um avant garde, but like just like freely improvising metal tunes or right. you know right. you know, whatever. That's great. Yeah, and I think um, part of the reason we kind of started calling uh, what we do spontaneous composition was that um, the first record, well, the first two records were really totally just free playing, but they were these long form pieces. I think the first record was like one, like 28 minute piece and one 35 minute piece. And um, what was really interesting about them is they had very clearly delineated sections and very like smooth transitions and like identifiable characteristics for each part of the 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 improvisation so it really felt almost like um it could have been like an abstract symphonic form or Mm. something like that and um and then by the time we started uh our third record um gavin and i uh I think Gavin was the guy who um, originally had the idea, but the the idea was to start the performance with a blank sheet of staff paper and write down melodies and backgrounds and stuff that came to us while we were playing so that Mm. we could not only play them together in unison, but use them as motivic material to come back to throughout the uh, improvisations and, and tie it all together in that way. So the true actual composition element came into play because we were i mean i literally somewhere have these papers of these like scratch charts that we wrote while we were uh, in performance and wow. we still do that For this new record, um, we did some of that, but um, also we we brought in the idea of like 
sketching out a tune like one minute before going in to record it. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't really talk about it very much. We would just kind of like, like, okay, here's an idea. What do we do with this? recorded something like three and a half hours of music wow. and distilled it down to um well 38 minutes on a vinyl and then an extra bonus ep that's just digital for our vinyl sure friends. that's so yeah, interesting the, the new record as well i i you know i feel like we we produced it a lot more than the other records yeah. too so you know just sort of like make it more of a more of like a just produced rock record with right. the same idea you know Whereas the the last records we've just kind of liked simmering in like the acoustic sound and the natural sound. Mm-hmm, We're using so mm-hmm. many effects and and things are you know pretty pretty characteristic already. And on this one, we're just like you know we have a couple days. Let's just have fun. That's great. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was interesting in listening to it is I feel like there are um, I feel like there was there was a lot done to it afterwards it seemed like to me because it seemed like there were more instruments than just the <laughs> just the five of you going on and and i i really liked that because uh uh, uh it it added a different thing because i've i've heard you guys live and i've and i've heard some of this stuff you know uh uh, uh before this but i really liked this uh the, this 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 new added element to yeah. it. can you talk a little bit about that yeah that's that's kind of what i was hinting on before was that we you know we ended up having a lot more time than we usually do we ended up making shorter songs than we usually do because the stuff's usually freely improvised in that sort of symphonic characteristic that Dan was talking about. Mm-hmm. And and also we were playing so much we needed downtime at some points. And then so it did like the the mixture of all those things together made it like, oh, okay, well, uh, let's see, Alex has to go teach a couple lessons, <laughs> so he's not here, so we're going to do trumpet and saxophone overdubs. Oh, or okay. everybody's okay. hungry as hell, but Caleb and I... Are still good to go, and we want to keep playing. So that's right. where the bass and drums duet comes from. Okay, th- these guys were their faces were dying, <laughs> and they needed a break. And Caleb and were like, "Okay, we'll keep recording. Right, you guys so go, and we'll do something, and and then come back when you're ready, and we'll do something else." That's so you know? cool.
Yeah, I mean, I think also like we kind of went into this project ahead of time with that in mind. Like we we knew we wanted to make something that was a little bit more produced. And one of the things that that Sam and Alex have always done with their effects and looping pedals and whatnot is they've been able to layer um, themselves uh, in right, in, right. The, in the texture of what's going on. But um, as horn players, Gavin and I have never really been into using effects. So, sure. um, so we've always been this acoustic sort of element on top of that. And so it was nice to kind of almost join in that effect bed, right. but using the acoustic horns, like adding right, extra right, horns right. or like... All of the stuff that we did, you basically started out as an improvisation, and then we would build on it. You know, right. so like there's a horn chorale at the end where like Gavin and I improvised a chorale as a duet, and then we improvised on top of that mm-hmm. as a duet, and then mm-hmm. you know we improvised on top of that as a duet. So like, so cool. we came up with these really like crazy like stacked harmonies that right. probably we wouldn't have written, <laughs> but we, but were the result of just like like layers of improvisation on top on top so of each cool. other So cool, that's so that's so neat. I I uh, 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 I come from such a different world that it seems like this. Is, you just guys are blowing my mind right now. It's I love it. I love it. Well, you know that's that's the whole. That's the goal. That's the just goal, yeah. blown minds. Melting that's faces, really. Re- yeah. You know, sometimes minds get blown. Generally, not that often. <laughs> well, is but... it possible that a melting face could be the result of a blown mind? You can you can have both. You can have both. They are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> Looks like we got some philosophizing to do tonight. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, well, congratulations on ten years. Ten years of a band, guys. That's 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 great. And uh, uh, um, yeah, everybody should check out the record. It's awesome. I like it. Thanks. And uh, yeah, anything else you guys want to add? Anything in particular? And just a quick like little background vocal duet, real. Ooh. Improvised music, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Mint, Arenda Records. Perfect. The interviews fit to print. So, Dr. Mint, Voices in the Void. Dr. Mint, Voices in the Void. Go check it out ASAP. Um, if you like vinyl, which who who among us doesn't, right? I if you don't like high fidelity, you're just you're being crazy. Who who likes low fidelity? That's dumb. Anyway, you should pick up the vinyl because it sounds amazing on top of just looking cool 
and, you know, impressing your friends with your sweet underground vinyl collection. Um, I mean, you don't have to keep it underground. It can be above ground. But uh, it'll, it'll impress your friends. You will, your, your parents will be proud of you, finally, for, for your record collection. Um, so if you love vinyl, which obviously you do, you should, you should pick this one up because it sounds amazing on vinyl. It sounds good digitally. It sounds great digitally, but it sounds amazing on vinyl. So pick that up. Um, if you want those bonus tracks, the other ones, you know, he said the vinyl business. Also, I mean, it's not the vinyl, the digital business. Come on, Matt, get it together. Uh, again, Sam and I's, uh, Heyo, pick that up. Uh, you, you, you're, you're not allowed to get vinyl copies of it. You're just not. It's because, I mean, I guess you could. If you really wanted some, I'm sure he would print some. The demand, if the demand is there, <laughs> I'm sure it'll turn up. It's a supply side economic strategy. It's, it makes sense. Don't worry. All right. Enough of me rambling. It's nice to be back. It's nice to talk to you all again. Uh, don't forget to hop on orrenderrecords.com for all of your Render Records news. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast. Even if you, if you, you can say the worst things you want, but give a five-star review. What you do is you hit five stars, and then you say, like, Matt is the worst thing to happen to podcasting since, I don't know, since, in, since its inception. Let's say that. Let's say that. That's fine. You can, you can say all the hateful things you want to, but leave a five-star review. All right? It helps people. It helps me. All right? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys soon. Next interview, ASAP. <laughs>